to show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Mats Podcast. And we're three years in. That's cool. Thank you, everybody. I want to get that thank you out early. Uh, this week, my guest for the podcast is actually a newcomer to jujitsu, and we've been going back and forth in the DMs on Instagram, uh, just you know, general conversation, but also just hearing about his journey and just talking jujitsu and just kind of talking life. So, I want to have him on the podcast and get his story and just kind of find out how everything is going on his uh introduction into jiu-jitsu just being early on so i want to welcome to the show mr sean corcoran sean how you doing man i am doing fantastic now that i got some coffee uh <laughs> and thank you for having me on jake no man thank you thank you for making the time and just being my guest on here like, like i've been saying as the show has reached three years we wouldn't be here without you all as guests. So I greatly, greatly appreciate you making the time to do this. So just kind of just jumping right into it, you know, as we talked a little bit before recording and just again in the DMs uh, about jujitsu and what it's been doing for you and how it's kind of, you know, change your, you know, your eating habits and then help change your body. Uh, let's go ahead and just jump right in and uh, what got you into the idea of doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? So it's funny. So I started out doing martial arts, right? Started martial arts when I was five. I started off with just Shotokan karate, did a little bit of Taekwondo. And then immediately, and I think at about six or seven years old, I started wrestling. So I've been doing martial arts for 20 plus years now, but I've only been doing Jiu-Jitsu for about five months now. Um, I've been following jujitsu now for several years, right? But it's always been one of those things. I just didn't have the time to do it because at the time I was still in the military. Um, now, once I, once I got out of the military, up until that point, I had already been following jujitsu for a while. I had already been interested in the idea of doing it. Um, but I just never really had the time, right? I was in the process of getting out from the military. I was trying to pick, find a place to live. I was moving across the country. I got out of the military October 8th of 2020. I was in Phoenix, Arizona, October 10th. No, October 11th. I drove 23, 2300 miles in two and a half days. Um, so I didn't really have time to do a whole lot of stuff. Not to mention the week after I moved here, I went straight to work full time. So I was working odd hours, odd hours, nighttime jobs, getting up at three o'clock in the morning not leaving until one o'clock in the afternoon. Right. Um, and then just kind of, kind of got burned out. Um, I never really cared much for national champion, state champion. I didn't care about that shit. Right. I sport and martial arts for a different reason because I enjoyed it. Right. It made me feel like I actually did something. Um, as well as I'd like to in wrestling plus my, uh, I guess my love for wrestling kind of just diminished a little bit. It kind of got old for me, right? I'd never liked being on my feet in wrestling. That was my least favorite position was on my feet. So jujitsu kind of just seemed a natural transition for me. And it allowed me to get back on the mats again, 
right? Like I said, I'm I'm a very competitive person, but competitive in the sense that I want to I want to fight somebody. I don't care if I win. I just want to compete. Um, and I'm competing in September at the Naga Open in Gilbert. So, okay. yeah, lightweight. Yeah, lightweight. That's the that's the short, sweet version of it. I wish I had a, you know, a Nobel Prize story, but it's probably one of the more boring ones you'll get. No, I mean, I, I think everyone's story, you know, then, everyone's origin story has its has its uh, life to it because someone can relate to it. No matter how boring we may think our you know our story is, there's someone yeah. out there that hears. I was like, oh my god, like that that's that's me. So you're all right. And to be quite honest, the reason why I got back into combat sports wasn't because I missed it. It was just mental health in general. Um, I had a couple suicides that I had to deal with from when I was in the military. One, my platoon sergeant and one of my soldiers both uh, committed suicide within 30 days of each other. I had lung surgery the day the week that my platoon sergeant committed suicide, I found out the day after I got discharged. Just kind of went into a spiral after that, after I got out for about a year and a half, which ended up adding me to being admitted into the VA's uh, psychiatric ward. Not because I was suicidal, but because I knew something wasn't rare. And I, it was it was a self-admittance. It was a self-report, if you will. I was like, I was like, what outlet can I do that's non, that's not destructive, that can be constructive? Right, and then I thought, hmm, wrestling, combat. I'm a huge MMA fan. I love watching UFC. I don't like getting punched in the face. So I was like, that's not an option. Um, and then I thought, and then I thought back, to wrestling. I'm like, I, I, I'm not as limber as I used to be. I had two cadaver ligaments, one in each of one in each of my knees. I just had knee surgery last November, so I'm not moving around like I used to. And I was like, hmm, let's try jujitsu. And that's more or less how I got into it. And now we're here five months later and I'm addicted to it. Hey, I mean, you know, we all got to start somewhere. And and like you're saying with um, mental health kind of being that connector that got you into it, you know, there are quite a few of us in this community, you know, that jujitsu really does help us a lot. You know, I've seen several posts, you know, where it's like jujitsu is my therapy, working out's my therapy, and you know, all these things are my therapy. Then you'll get people that jump in, you know, on, on their high horse and they say, No, therapy is therapy. You can't use other stuff as therapy. And it's like, well, we're not a one size fit all type of species. So, you know, I'm glad that you were able to find jujitsu and combat sports in general yeah. to to help you out because you know, heaven forbid, you know, you know, you don't take that leap and, and, and explore. And then, you know, who knows what could happen. And the fact that you saw something wasn't right, you know, like, look, I, I got to figure this out. You know, that's good. Cause there's so many people that either don't catch on to it or, you know, even worse, they, you know, they kind of ignore it. They, they don't want to admit it, you know, we, we do have this stigma in our society, unfortunately. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're able to, um, you know, recognize, you know, there was a problem and, and you want to, you know, find a solution. So, good. Uh, I pride myself on being very self-aware, but 
what the caveat to that is I may be hyper self-aware. My last thing I did before I was admitted to the psych ward was I took a shot of bay leaves. I took a shot of liquor before I went into the psych ward. I mean, and funnily it, enough, that's the last, uh, that's the last bit of alcohol I ever had. I've been, I haven't drank in close to a year now. Good, good. It's good to hear as well. Still working on the nicotine part, you know, with vaping, and I haven't smoked cigarettes in a year and a half. So we'll keep, we're, we're staying strong. Well, for the time being. One thing at a time. One thing at a time. But you got this. I believe in you, Sean. So with your your uh, military experience, uh, what branch of the military were you in? Uh, I was Army. In the Army, did you uh, dabble um, in combatives or anything at, you know, while there? Or did you kind of just, you know, wait until, you know, did, did you get into mm-hmm. any kind of combat combat sports or grappling or, you know, anything after after that? Nothing directly related to the Army. The Army does a combatants program when you go through basic training, but basic training is only 10 weeks long, and so you're only, I don't even remember if we did two full days of it, but there is a section of time where they teach you basic combatants. They teach you shrimping, um, and that's really about it. And then they're like, all right, pick a partner, go see what happens. Right. They don't really teach anything. It's not really conducive to it. It's not, it's not, it's not good. Right. I think it's gotten a lot better from what I've been told, but when I went through it, it was go figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I get you. But when I was in, when I was in a couple of my NTOs, my sergeants, two of them, who I still keep in touch with this day, were both high school and college wrestlers. So one of them had a big enough house where, he was able to set up mats in his basement. And so we would wrestle just to, just as a workout, really nothing. We weren't competing or anything like that. I didn't train jujitsu when I was in. And to be quite honest, when you're in the military, you're not paid that much. A lot of it goes towards like car and bills and booze and energy drinks and tobacco. Cause that's all we, that's all we can, that's all we consume. Um, plus at the time I wasn't really that smart with my finances. So I couldn't really afford to pay for jujitsu, and jujitsu is not the most cheap sport to get into. That's a fact. Um, but thankfully, I found a uh, a gym right now where I'm actually allowed to train for free, um, on the basis that it is a therapeutic exercise for me. So, you know, in terms of payment, I buy like the merchandise, like one of these shirts. This is one of the team shirts. And it's, you know, that got Tom's logo on it, Tom DeBlass's logo on it. Tom's not my coach, but I go to one of his affiliate schools. Okay, cool. cool. So, so when you started jiu-jitsu, um, just, you know, that, that first day getting out there on the mat, what, you know, what was going through your head? How did you feel? Were there any nerves or butterflies going on with you? Or were you, you know, more so excited and just like ready to dive in? It was a combination of both, actually. Um, I wasn't, I was excited to get back on the mats, right? Like getting on the mats for the first time doesn't matter if it's karate, wrestling, jujitsu, judo, it doesn't matter. If you've never done it a day in your life and 
when I say done it, I mean beyond a set of wrestling mats. Um, it can be nervous. It can be ner- It can be very nerve wracking. Um, but getting back on the mats, I just I felt very calm. So I'm like, all right, I'm back in my element. It kind of felt like a felt like I. It kind of felt like I went on vacation. I'm like, all right, I'm back. But then the realization kind of hit it, and I'm like, well, I'm starting something new. Um, it was that. It was that nervous excitement. It was nervousness, but in a good way. Okay. Right. Kind of like your your first day on a new job after you just went to school. Understandable. Yeah, it's definitely definitely relatable. Um, and yeah, um, you know, as, as we've been talking, and you mentioned the other the other day in the chat, you know, about you competing. You you know, you're like you know, just kind of going over, you know, the ideal of, you, you know, your wrestling being kind of an asset for you on the mats. Uh, it, like, stepping onto the jiu-jitsu mats, um, you know, what are some of the things that you brought over from wrestling that's really benefited you in your uh, training so far? Um, well, like I, like I texted you, I think I've told you this a couple of times, maybe once or twice. But one of the things, I'm starting to kind of slowly put together my own style. And one of those things includes uh, pinning pinning a leg to the ground. I would notice that uh, if we go, if we both go and try and pull guard, I'll try and take one leg, right, like a single leg or a high crotch, and then I'll take one of my knees and pin that inside leg to the ground so I can take mount, right? Like I'm starting to figure out little things that way, rather than just try and force it like I did in wrestling, like. Jiu-Jitsu's kind of forced me, in a good way, to be a little more patient. Because I'm, I'm not a very patient person, regardless of what I'm doing, right? I, I'm i very much a hurry-up-and-wait type of person, right? If I have to be somewhere at 3, I'll show up on site at 1.30, and I'll just sit there for an hour and a half until I'm ready to start, right? Like, I hate being late. I'll I'll make myself suffer so I'm not late. Fair, fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jiu-jitsu, you know, that that seems to be a common thing kind of early on in a lot of our journeys is, you know, developing patience and, and trying to, um, you know, work through that, work around it. So I, I definitely get that. And, you know, good on you, you know, develop, you know, trying to work out and develop a game um, early on because, hell, I've been training for eight years now. And I'm just getting to the idea of like, oh shit, I need to have a game. Like I've just been grappling and just kind of figuring it out. Then one day I sat with my coach and was like, dude, like I need to figure this out. I need to figure out what's going on. And here we are. But you know, for you to have the presence of mind, you know, this early on, you know, is good. So you know, it looks like you're you're moving in the right direction for sure. I, I wouldn't consider myself antisocial, but I'm very selective about who I keep around me. Yes. Um, and which is kind of why I'm glad I got back into martial arts. It's a very, it's a very select community in, in the sense that there's millions of people that do it, but you start with a few people and a lot of times you remain friends with those few people for years oh yeah right it's like when i was when i was in the military i probably knew over 100 people but i only keep in touch with about four of them 
Uh, it's right. fair. Like fair. I'm friendly. I'm friendly with a lot of people, but I'm only friends with three or four people. And the best definition that I can give about a friend, and this is what my dad told me, he said a, a true friend is a person that you can call at two a.m. Doesn't matter where they are, as long as you can reach them, call them at two a.m. Say, hey, I'm I'm in trouble. I need help. This happened to me about two years ago. My buddy Garrett, I was like in a bad spot financially, right, and I needed about four hundred dollars that month to kind of help cover my rent because I just started a new job. I didn't really have enough money to cover my bills, my rent. Uh, I had to put new tires on my car. I was like, like, how much do you need? I'm like, I did the cost and I think it was around 400 something. And two minutes later, and keep in mind, I didn't ask him for this. I don't like asking for help unless I ha absolutely have to. It was more just me kind of venting. About two minutes later, I get a notification from my cash app that he sent me $430. I'm like, what's this for? He's like, you need help, I got you. To this day, he still hasn't asked me. And I talked to him about it a couple months ago. He's like, did I ask you for anything back? I'm like, no. He's like, conversation over. And with the and with jujitsu, it's kind of the same thing. It's right. Um, the the screenshot that I sent you the other day of the conversation between me and my coach Aaron. That was not prompted. He sent me like two or three in a row. I forget how many it was. Just kind of going over style and what he thinks. And I'm like, I, I sent that screenshot to my dad. I'm like, that was a huge confidence booster. I've only known him for about five months and he's already saying this kind of stuff. You know, in my regard, I'm like, that's a huge confidence booster. Uh, sure. And sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah. I think with our coaches, especially, you know, in anything really, but especially with jujitsu, you know, our coaches know us pretty well. They, I, I feel like jujitsu kind of, Reveals a lot about people and our coaches, yeah. you know, they they're very aware of that. They catch the glimpses of what we can and can't do. Hell, even me and my coach right now, you know, working on, you know, private lessons. He he explains, you know, what he's seen in my game over the years, you know, and, you know, what we're working on to try to correct. And it's like he'll, he'll point out, you know, this thing, that thing. But here we're going to turn this around and fix it. So, you know, for your coach to, you know kind of give you that information that that confidence booster i mean that that's coming from someone that's observed you they know you well enough up to this point and they know how to get you in the right direction you know with with the rest of your journey so you know i'm glad to hear that and and just again when you sent you know the message to me uh the screenshot now you know i was reading it initially i was like wait, like what do you send you know because i, I as you can see, I'm wearing glasses, so I was like, yeah. what the oh, fuck you see me? <laughs> like, let, I'm let legally me blind without my glasses. It's funny because it's like I can see well enough. I I broke my glasses in eighth grade and I just never got them replaced. You know, yeah. I was just like, yeah, fuck it. I'm I'm just gonna keep breaking them. I'm a rough and tumble kid, I'm a little dumb. So these mm -hmm. things are gonna keep breaking. So at about 30, 32 or 33, I was working. Um, in a warehouse and we're using RF scanners and the screen is really small and eventually it caught up to me just because the screen's so small I was like shit I'm and so I went and got my eyes checked or like here put these glasses on I think you might be good to go and I've been kind of stuck with it ever since which you know I always joke about it saying well my eyes are actually good when I broke my glasses I was fine you know for you know 25 years just about without so 
suddenly I get glasses and I'm fucked like four weeks in. I'm like, oh man, I'm stuck with these things. So I feel like if I take yeah. them off and stop using them for a while, you know, they, they, as as they do, eyes degenerate over time. But I feel like I'll be good without them. But when it comes to like messing with my phone, it's like, all right, I need my glasses. These little fucking screens. Pain well, in it's, the ass. it's weird, right? Like I'm nearsighted. So <laughs> I I will oftentimes take off my glasses to if I if I'm laying down in my bed at night and I'm reading something or I don't want to put my glasses on and I just and I don't have, you know, my bedside lamp on, I'll physically sit up and put my phone close to my face just so I can read it and then I'll lay back down. But my, my mom's my mom told me she's like, just get you a pair of uh readers. Yeah. So my I've, I've actually considered it. She's like, you can get them for like, you know, 15, 20 bucks at Walmart. Yeah. Just find the ones that work yeah. best. And I'm like, okay. Like when I train, I, I obviously don't have my glasses on. And, you know, sometimes Same. I forget to put them back on after training. You know, I, I get off the mat, you know, I wipe, wipe my face down, um, you know, get changed. Sometimes I just go straight to the car. Sometimes I'm just like, yeah, take the gi- gi- uh, top off. And walk straight out to the car, depending on how bad I got my ass kicked. Um, if it was one of those days, I'm like, oh, <laughs> let me just get out of here. I don't even put my glasses yeah. on until like I'm halfway home. I'm like, oh shit, I ain't, you know, I don't need my glasses. I was like, I should put these on just just for comfort's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it it's interesting, just you know how how we, you know, even with just kind of connecting that again to jujitsu, it's like. For me, I get sweat in my eyes a lot. Most people do, but I, I just kind of roll my eyes closed. So whether I can see or not with my without my glasses, it doesn't even matter. My eyes are closed half the time. I'm I'm grappling by touch, uh, which is probably why I get my ass kicked so much. And that's and that's the thing. It's like I whenever I roll, if I'm if I've got someone around wrapped around the waist, right? Like say I shot a double leg. Mm-hmm. Um half the time I'm looking down and towards my left or my right, depending on what side I'm at. But the thing for me and the thing that I've noticed I do, and this is probably why my lungs burn after I finish rolling is I forget to breathe. Yeah. I, I'll take one deep breath, you know, we'll, we'll touch fists. We'll go. And the moment we start, I'll take a quick deep breath and just hold it. That's um actually, the only time I competed on the video, you can hear in the background my coach screaming, breathe, Dante, breathe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and as I look at the video, I'm like, oh my God, I wasn't breathing. <laughs> is, I only just realized it like yesterday or not yesterday, a couple of days ago. I only realized I'm like, why am I? I mean, I, cause I had lung surgery back in 2020 um, for a benign tumor. And had a portion of my left lung removed, but it wasn't a significant portion enough to really affect my breathing. Um, the worst thing that the worst the worst repercussion I've had from it is honestly sometimes it is hard for me to take a full deep breath, but you know those are few and far in between, not a big deal. Um, and then I realized that I'm like this would probably explain why my lungs hurt every single time I go hard. Right, like we got a guy getting ready to compete uh, on Saturday. So the past couple of weeks have been nothing but really tailored towards him, like what he wants to work on. We've been rolling a lot the past couple of weeks, like consistently. That's all we've been doing. That's all we've been doing. And 
I noticed it the other day or on Wednesday, Monday. I noticed it on Monday that my lungs weren't as burning as much as they usually did. And I, I may have started breathing more if I did, I didn't realize it or I just kind of lost myself in what I was doing. Um, kind of losing myself in the moment, if you will. Sure. sure. Right. And, Cause I do, I do notice I, I zone out, but I zone everything else out around me. I think these are all things too that you and know, sometimes I forget to breathe when I talk. That, that's definitely me. We, we share a lot in common there, Sean. Um, I think a, a lot of what's going on too, though, is some you know you being five months in, we all go through it at the beginning. We 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 all go through the, you know, as we're rolling, we forget to breathe, um, you know, at, you know, zoning out things like that. And you know, you get some people that can't get through. You know, they they let it really control how how they're going. Um, in in terms of like. Oh, well, you know, I keep forgetting to breathe, you know, maybe I'm just not cut out for it. It's like, well, no, I mean, it's just breathing, you know, it's, yeah. it, it, it's going to take some time, but you'll get there. I mean, and, and it's weird because you never even really acknowledge when you start kind of just rolling and not holding your breath, you know, or forgetting to breathe. You just get out there, you go. And then one day it's happening. I mean, but that's just jujitsu in itself. I mean, the more reps you get out there on the mats the more it just becomes natural to you, whether it's, you know, back takes, breathe in, you know, takedowns, guard pulling, whatever it may be. And I like how you mentioned the repetitions thing, because that's something I wanted to get into. Very early on, my very first time rolling, I think um, I, I was barely able to roll for 30 seconds before, before I had to tap, right? It was like, I thought, I, I thought, naively that my wrestling would kind of come in handy and it does to to a certain extent um and i'll kind of get into that a little bit later but i noticed i was barely able to function i'm like all right i'm in relatively good shape you know i can still run two miles in under 13 minutes um i don't know for how much longer but i'll take i'll take it where i can get it um but i know i was starting to notice that i was getting gassed and uh arm barred I got heel hooked a couple times in under 30 seconds. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, I know I have the stamina. I know I'm athletic. So what's going on? And I couldn't figure it out. And then I realized, um, and it brings me to a quote. So one of my, one of my favorite superheroes, and in my opinion, one of the top three superheroes in the DC verse is the flash, right? He's my favorite. And in the TV series, I forget who says it, but, it was there was an episode he had to save somebody from a bomb and every time he tried to do it he would fail because he would try and go as fast as he could and his mentor said sometimes in order to move fast you have to slow down mm-hmm. and i thought about it and i'm like that makes sense and i started to slow down a little bit and i noticed that i was lasting a lot longer right i noticed that i wasn't making as many, as many mistakes um, I was actually thinking through the position I was in as opposed to just going balls to the wall like I normally would in wrestling, right? Sure. That's where the the analytical part of my mind kind of took over because I'm very analytically minded. I've been in the medical field now for 13 years, almost 14. Um, 
So being being analytical is part of my job. I have to. I have to notice the little details, and that's where I started focusing on the little details and not the big positions I was in, because those change every five ten seconds sometimes. Yeah. So I, I I just kind of pushed aside the thought of, am I in full guard? Am I in half guard? Am I in side control? Am I in mount? Am I in spider guard? I didn't care. I just wanted to focus on what where my hands were primarily, right? I can handle the footwork due to my wrestling background if I'm ever in spider guard. Um, but between you and me, I hate it. I want nothing to do with it. Understandable. Um, there's a guy that there's a guy that I trained with named Diego. The dude is a freak of nature, and he's 18 years old. He looks like he's 30, but he's 18 years old and has the stamina of someone that's been doing this for 15 years. It's it's weird. I, I think as the game continues to change and these kids are coming to the game younger and younger, their bodies are more and more conditioned. It's crazy, you know, just seeing a lot of younger grapplers get out there and mm-hmm. just take to it so naturally and then once they get into like their their 20s they're, they're just a, a fucking world wonder at that point it's it's fascinating to see honestly yeah and it's, it's like i'm i'm almost 30 right i feel 60 probably because of my time in the service i put a lot of mileage on my body quite literally i put a lot of miles on my body um, and you read the screenshot. One of the first things that he said is that I have a very fast game. I'm like, it doesn't feel that fast. Um, but I'm going to chalk it up to my wrestling background because I'm so used to moving fast, mm-hmm. not big movements, but small movements. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm very, I can react very fast, but if I do small movements, it's a lot faster. I don't like doing big movements. Yeah, big movements actually can be problematic. You know, if you do it, you know, too many big movements, you know, you, you just leave yourself open for attacks and things like that. Yeah. You know, you, you win, you know, in, in those little uh, small movements or micro adjustments, as that was a running meme a couple years back on, on social media. Uh, but like, you know, just those small movements go a long way, just like little details, like pushing off your toes you know, on the mat yep. or head placement, hand placement, you know, all those little things go a long way and they matter not, a lot, a whole lot. Not crossing your, not crossing your feet or crossing your ankles when you have, uh, when you have hooks in after you take someone's back. Um, mm-hmm. One of my primary training partners, he said it just kind of offhand. He's like, Hey, make sure if you take someone's back and you throw hooks in, do not cross, uh, do not cross your ankles. The only time your ankles should be crossed is if you're in full guard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can if, if you're off like kind of to the side a little bit, you know, you can get away with it. Mm-hmm. But it's like you just don't want that to be a habit at all, period. And it, it feels so natural yeah. though to do it because you're like, okay, I got him. I want to lock this all the way up. And it's like, gotcha. You you're about to get ankle locked. So yeah. you know, lesson learned. Right. And um, that was one of the bad habits that I brought over from wrestling. I don't want to call it a bad habit because in wrestling, it is a good thing. You do want to cross your ankles because you do want to lock it up. But in, I learned very quickly on or very early on after being told several times and figuring out the hard way that 
Um, it doesn't matter if I've broken someone down to their stomach or if they're still on all fours. I do not want my ankles crossed. Otherwise, I could possibly break my ankle. Yeah. Um, or they can just kind of roll out of it, which is what happened to me a couple times. Um, so now I don't, I don't do it at all. And he's like, I got to stop telling you things to do. <laughs> Cause I, I just, I did it. I just reacted. I did it. And I'm like, it worked. He's like, I know I got to stop teaching you things. Well, I, I think also, you know, like we said with the, the small adjustments that we do, like even just a simple butterfly hook at certain points mm-hmm. goes a long way, you know, like, you know, or, you know, just again, whether it be, you know, your seatbelt grip, you know, how you do your over under, you know, how you grip the lapel. It's just so many little things to jujitsu. And, and I think, you know, that that contributes to why it is, you know, one of the hardest martial arts to learn because there's just so many different things. And once you think you've got it figured out, there's like something new that comes up, especially with this being, you know, relatively young in the sense of like, you know, if you look at a black belt 30 years ago, you know, it's like, you know, they have one set of things they do. And granted, 30 years ago, jujitsu wasn't necessarily for sport. It was for self-defense. So yeah. you look at Hoist Gracie in UFC one and his jujitsu was a lot different than what you would see now from Gordon Ryan. So, you know, we're still at this phase where, you know, we're seeing different things still growing. I mean, hell, the buggy choke came about and everybody started doing the buggy choke. Leg locks, you know, popped up a few years ago. And now mm-hmm. that's what everybody just wants to do. So, you know, it's like, and the thing is, you can jump to all that stuff, but then, you know, it cycles back through and then we start going back to the fundamentals. And Which is what I, I like to do. It's, yeah. the, it's like the first three things I was taught how to do were more Americana, armbar, uh, lapel chokes, what else? Guillotines, obviously rear naked chokes. Um, and I've realized that my top three are lapel chokes, uh, guillotines, and depending on where I'm at, either Kamora Americana. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm very um, comfortable on my back. So I don't mind being in guard. That that has become kind of my my problem now is I was just too comfortable. Well, I was I, I was too comfortable defending. So it, it became this thing of like, you know, and I was joking about it, but it is kind of, you know, true, you know, when I'm rolling with, you know, the blue belts or, you know, white belts, you know, even a couple purple belts. You know, it's like I'm not worried about getting submitted because I know I'm very good at defending. But then the problem yeah. is I got comfortable with defending and I never attack now. So, you know, let's say you and I are rolling and, you know, you're, you're all over me, but you're not tapping me. But, you, you know, let's say there are points involved. Like, let's say this is a competition. You know, you're, you're beating me on points. You probably beat me like 65 to zero just because I'm sitting like, oh, no, you're not going to submit me. But you're also not going to get tapped by me either and that and that's the beautiful thing right one like my my style of wrestling uh and i got dogged on it so many times for my dad my coach not in a bad way it wasn't like a demeaning way they're like all right you need to change i'm a very defensive uh wrestler very defensive competitor but that's where i'm comfortable 
right? I like to, it goes back to being analytical. I don't, I don't like going a thousand miles an hour because I may miss certain things, right? I like to just kind of, I, I like to bide my time. I'm very patient. I, I like, I'm more opportunistic uh, than I am proactive. I just, I wait for things to happen. I, I don't like to force things. Um, that's why I'm, I'm not a very, I wouldn't, I'm an average wrestler. Well, I'll, I'll say average, right? But that was because I wrestled very defensively and I just kind of waited. I waited for things to happen and then I react. I'm very react, reactionary and I'm okay with that. But during in wrestling, in hindsight, it's not a good thing. You want to be proactive. Uh, now looking back on it, had I started jujitsu a lot earlier, it'd be a whole different story because being patient, being opportunistic is actually a good thing, right? Uh, one, and Aaron, my coach, was telling me, he's like, half the time, and I think I think I even heard Tom say it once as well. I was watching one of his videos. He's like, jujitsu is one of those things where a lot of times there's not going to be a whole lot going on. It's going to be a lot of jockeying for position. There's not. It's not going to be a mad scramble, right? You may be in close guard for a minute and a half before anything of any real consequence happens, right? Some people may be going for lapel chokes or guillotines. Uh, some people may be trying to pass the guard, right? Yep. There's not a whole lot of stuff that goes on. And then when I mean, it does, it, it it just goes. I mean, you look at some of the higher level and That's what matches. I like about it. You know, you know, you look at, you know, black belts rolling, you don't see a whole lot of scrambling going on. Mm-hmm. You you see them, you know, no. you know, kind of working for position and they get the position and they're working to get to the submission, you know, whereas yeah. you, you look at some of the lower level matches, some white belts, blue belts. I mean, you know, even a few purple belts, there's a lot of activity going on. Also, you factor in, you know, those lower weight classes, too. You know, there's going to be a little bit more activity, but yeah. You know, the higher you get in the rankings, the, the more it becomes concentrated and just, you know, using what you need versus just like having these big unnecessary movements when it's like, oh, you know, I'm going for a cartwheel pass. It's like, well, that was unnecessary. Like the knee cut was right there, you know. Yeah, it's like you brought up Gordon Ryan. It's like I've watched a couple of his matches ever since I got into it. I've been kind of following the big names. Right. Yeah. And I would watch a couple of his matches and as high a level as he is. And he's interesting to me because on one hand, I get why he gets the hate he does. But at the same time, it's like, so he, so, I mean, but like I watched, I watched his matches and his, the only time he pulls the trigger is when he knows he has a position like his, like his heel hooks, right? When he goes for a heel hook, he doesn't do it half-assed. He, he pulls the trigger and he goes, but 90% of that time is setting up for something he wants to do. I think that's the thing that's really important there, though, too. Again, is like, you know, position, you know, over submission, you know, get your position first. But you get so many yeah. people, you know, they want to learn submissions like right away. And it's like, yes, you should have, you know, a couple, you know, just that you go over, you know, again, the rear naked choke, Kimura, you know, guillotine, you know, things like that. But you know, you can't submit anyone if you can't get in the right position to do it. I remember yeah. uh, having, you know, someone come in for a trial class and we're talking about, 
you know, this is me just going over all the stuff with him. I'm talking about all these these different submissions. I was still young myself in the game. And he goes, yeah, that's cool and all, but how do I get there? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, oh, you're right. So it, it's very important just to understand, you know, you got to get the position first and then you can. Because having a position, you win just having a position alone. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you go for a submission, you miss without having a, that position. You know, now you put yourself in a compromised position to lose. So. Which know. is where I think my, which is where I think my coach uh, seems confident in the fact uh, of my wrestling being a good base for what I do. Um, because one of the, it's, it's a parallel. Wrestling is all about jacking for position, then you pull the trigger. It's just a different style of fighting, right? And he's yeah. told me several times, and you know I kind of appreciate the compliment, compliment, but or vote of confidence, but he in his opinion, thinks that I would do very well Naga, IBJJF, ADCC, whatever it may be, in a white belt division purely based off of my style and my mm-hmm. background in wrestling because I have that foundation. And I wouldn't even consider it a foundation. I try not to rely on my wrestling background too much because it's two completely different things. But where I try to rely on it is the explosiveness and just kind of being comfortable jockeying for a position. Right. Sure. I can't tell you how many times I'd have wrestling matches where 95% of the time of the match was spent on the feet or for in parterre positions on the ground. A minute will be working for a half or working for a cradle, whatever the case may be. And then the last 20, 30 seconds would be actually trying to fix what I'm trying to do. And that's what I like about it. Well, I, I think to. Um, you know, as you say, you don't want to rely on your wrestling or call it a foundation. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all grappling, you know, yeah. you, you know, the, there's, you know, elements that are going to come over from wrestling. That's going to definitely play big favors in your jujitsu game. Just body control in itself is a huge factor positioning of, mm-hmm. you know, again, your pressure, that's going to be huge. But also the thing is too, you know, Coming into jujitsu with some wrestling going up against white belts who, you know, may not have had that initial background, you know, in wrestling, that, that puts you, you know, a couple steps ahead already. I mean, whenever we have a, a wrestler step into our class, especially no gi class, it's like, you know, the blue belt's are like, fuck, That's all right, right. I'm going to have to really do some jujitsu here. I can't just fuck around with this guy. And that's the thing. That's the thing. Aaron has told me, he's like, we need to get you a no gi. Cause he thinks he, he told me as far as gi goes, he said, he thinks I could do some serious damage in a white belt division. Doesn't matter what organization I'm competing in, but he would, he said he'd love to see me in no gi just because of my wrestling background alone. Because I think, think that'd be, you know, uh, a lot more comfortable for sure. We're not, you know, having to worry about the lapels and the grips on you. Yeah, and uh, and eventually I'll make the foray into no gi. But for right now, I want to do just you know a couple a couple gi matches, a couple gi tournaments, see how I do, um, and then kind of go from there. It's just I, I I'm trying. I I want to remain as humble as I can when it get, when it comes to the wrestling. Right, like I know. 
I don't know what the percentage is, but I would assume that there's a portion of competitors that have absolutely no wrestling background at all. And that could be a tool <laughs> and that could be a tool I could use, but I don't want to sit here and say to someone, yeah, I wrestled for, you know, 15 plus years and, uh, I could, I, I would be deadly on the mat. I'm not going to sit there and say that. That'd be a very half-assed comment to say. And, uh, I'm, I don't, I don't want to be like that. Right. Well, good. And I think, you know, that's that's a big thing you're walking into the door with as well, um, besides just the wrestling, but also the humbleness. You know, you don't want to come in saying, you know, you do get people that come in with kind of an ego, kind of an attitude, thinking, oh, I wrestle, you know, no one can do anything to me. I haven't encountered those cats. You know, again, most of the guys that come through our doors that have wrestled, you know, they're very humble. They're very polite. And, and they, they understand they are here learning something new because yep. what wrestlers don't have in their arsenal that, you know, jujitsu players do is that, you know, we have the ability to submit you. You know, we also don't mind, Hey, if we're on our back, we can fight from there. Whereas, you know, a lot of wrestlers, they, they get to their back and they're, they're, they're not comfortable there. So, you know, you know, a lot of them do come into the door with that understanding, knowing like, well, look, I may know what I know, but they know something else too. And the thing is for us grapplers, you know, our, us jujitsu players, you know, we also understand like when we see a wrestler come in, it's like, okay, they've got something that, you know, we may not have, or if we've been doing it long enough, it's like, okay, well, I've seen enough of this where I know, you know, I can at least kind of maneuver around it and, and deal with it. But, you know, like I said earlier, it, it's not all one size fits all. So, you know, your grappling yeah. coming in the door, you know, works for you. And, and it sounds like it's a major benefit, you know, in your coach's eyes, you know, putting you in competitions upcoming. So I think you're going to do great. I, I think you're going to go out there and it, it'll probably be a weird feeling. You know, you go out there, you do great. And you're like, man, like, like what now? <laughs> like, well, keep right. winning, you know, until they, you know, bump you up. And then once you get up to blue, win some more. And that's the thing. It's like it only took me. I don't know what the average time is to uh, get to get you know strikes, but I got it in four months. I don't know if that's a good thing, if that's a bad thing, if that's average. But you know, um, when I got it, he told me you you're doing a lot better, or you're doing way better than I thought you would at this that than most people that start out with no background. I'm like, thanks. I'll I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. Again, I I I didn't want to. I didn't want to let it feed my ego, right? Because I don't, I don't really have much of an ego to begin with, but it is very easy for someone to develop an ego regardless if they have experience or if they've got 20 plus years of experience, right? Sure. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's here in jiu-jitsu like heavily, you know, a lot of times where we say leave your ego at the door, you still see dudes who aren't able yep. I don't, and I do think ego is important to to a degree because if you don't have some hint of an ego you, you're not going to want to get better but you know if you get beat yeah. and you're just like okay i got beat whatever you know it's like if i get beat and you know depending on who beat me it's like fuck that i need to get that back and it's like oh don't let that ego get you not nah, fuck that dude <laughs> like i want and it then, back and i and i had a conversation with my dad last night right uh and I, I have, a, I do have a competitive nature to me. I am very competitive, but at the end of the day, I could give two shits if I win or lose. 
the reason why I always competed in wrestling and being on a team is to see how far I progress. I if I if I if I win the tournament in September in a white belt division, great. If I lose, great. If I get DQ'd, okay, whatever. You know, that that just it just proves I've got stuff to work on. And then, you know, I'll just kind of put that on the back burner or could put it in the back of my mind and then remember it and then just work on it until the next competition, right? I I don't see belts and money prizes and whatnot as a symbol of skill. Right. I wanna I wanna know that when I compete that what I've been training, what I've been being what I've been taught is working. Yeah. And for me, knowing that it's or for me to know that it worked is just as simple as I don't get put into an arm bar. I I make it through an entire match without getting uh, without getting tapped or without getting DQ'd. That to me is progression. Winning a tournament isn't progression, in my opinion. Um, being better than before I competed to me is progression, and then I can build off of that. Right? I have no no foundation right now in terms of jujitsu competition. I am a blank slate. So this first competition, I really don't have any kind of standards for myself. I just want to do as best I can and work work into the match what I've been taught. All right, I want to be able to effectively do what I've been taught in a match, regardless of the outcome. Sure. To me, that's success, not retention. And that's that's what I would tell like kids who started out wrestling, right? Like, I don't care if you win or lose. I care about if you retain the knowledge. Knowledge retention to me shows that you're learning. Or like if five months from now, um, you're like, hey, do this or do a, a three minute roll and we'll see how you do. And then try and incorporate elements of this. Or, you know, we'll do a minute in closed guard, a minute in side control, we'll switch side control, a minute on back. Let's see how you do. Right. Like I want to see my progress in each of those big positions. So I, I do think, though, um, you know, that retention and the progress does still carry over to the tournaments, because if yep. you go to a tournament and then let's say you lost the last tournament, you know, by a rear naked choke. And part of it is you weren't really, you know, being assertive and attacking, you know, you go back to the drawing board, you get your reps in, you start realizing what you're doing wrong. Now you take that back to the next tournament and then, you know, you utilize what, you know, you, you learned over that time to win your next, you know, bracket, you know, the, the saying in jujitsu, and I don't think it's just jujitsu, it's in a lot of things like you don't lose, you learn. So like what you're saying earlier, you know, winning or losing isn't yep. really the, the, the thing. I mean, you're going to learn if you lose, if you win, you're going to learn. Uh, yep. I, I think if, you know, for, for a lot of people, you know, one of the best things that happen, you know, is to go out and lose early because you don't get um kind of this this false sense of like, oh, you know, I'm 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 like a superstar. Cause cause I have seen that with, with some people too, where it's like they win early and then you know, once they get to the next run, it's like, oh no, like you yeah. know, you, you didn't learn how to lose, but I, I do think that in losing, you do learn a lot. And, you know, and, you know, a big part of it is what you, what, oh, what wasn't working, you know? So 
you know, there, there are so many different, um, like I said, with jiu-jitsu, so many different elements, so many different chapters. You know, like when you look at jiu-jitsu like a big-ass book, and it's like when you look at each different, you know, whether it be closed guard, half guard, deep half guard, warm guard, X guard, De La Hiva guard, you know, it's like all these different guards. And then off each guard, then there's a whole, you know, 15, 20 sections on how to how to attack from this part how to attack from that part you know the, the jiu-jitsu is so fucking bonkers in that way where it's like even like an idol like winning and losing it's like you know there, there are different ways to win and there are different ways to lose like and, that, and that's what i like about it that's what i like about it right uh, my coach was uh doesn't he doesn't just tell me this he tells the whole like it's a very close community like with where i train nine all of my partners are cops minus two there's like anywhere from eight to ten of us that train at any given time and i i kind of like that but what he tells us is is these are just fundamentals these are just concepts there's 30 different things you can do from one single concept you move to another one there's 30 different things you can do from there there's five different ways you can get to those 30 different things and i'm like like I jokingly thought one day when he told me that I'm like, cause I, I used to smoke weed for just to kind of help out with my anxiety and whatnot, which has gotten a lot better. Um, but I'm like, I'm not sober enough for this. <laughs> I'm like, it blew my mind. And then as I started rolling and I started thinking about it, I'm like, I haven't even reached page one. Like you were saying, it's a book. I haven't even reached page one. I'm still in the, the, the prologue. Is that right? Prologue to the beginning of the book. Yeah, I'm still in the prologue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm still in the first sentence of the prologue, right? Um, and I love that. It it normally when I when I when I think about things like that, it it, it can be a little discouraging. But it got me excited. I'm like, okay, all right, here we go. Um, and I kind of and I applied the way I and I applied the way I learn jujitsu to the way I learn medicine. Right, because I was a combat medic, EMT, paramedic, and I'm going through medical assistant and phlebotomy program right now, and then nursing school after the fact. I'm going to go right into it. Um, and I've noticed one since because I started jujitsu and I started this uh, college program that I'm in about the same time, within a week of each other. And I noticed that as soon as I started jujitsu, my grades got better. I've been I've had a 3.8 or above for the past four months now. Um, I've only failed one assignment and it was by one point. That was because I had gotten zero sleep for the past for 36 hours prior to that. So I was already running on empty. Mm. Um, but, and that was one thing that I mentioned yesterday is in the past five months, I've been sleeping way better. I used to have, I used to have a real problem with sleep. Getting more than four hours of sleep a night was rare for me. Um, I still take an occasional sleep aid, right? It's mainly, it's, it's like a low, it's like a low grade sedative almost. It's just, it's designed to make you drowsy. It kind of help you ease into going to sleep. And that's what I take it for. Um, but I've noticed I've been using it less and less because by the time I, especially on Mondays and Wednesdays, which are the days that I train, because when I get home each day, especially if we had, you know, two very hard nights of rolling where that's all we do. I'm exhausted. Um, and, I, and, and I'll tell people that want to get into it. I'm like, I don't really have much to offer, but I'm going to let you know this right now. You're going to be exhausted every time you roll. 
If you're not, you're doing something wrong. And that goes and that goes for any sport, not just jujitsu. It goes for wrestling, basketball, baseball, right? Like even baseball, it's not a very physically active sport like running or wrestling or swimming. It's not a lot of aerobic exercise, but it's very mentally exhausting, right? Yeah. Jiu-jitsu is both. And the way I put it to people is combat sports, especially wrestling, jiu-jitsu, judo, any kind of grappling. I'm 153 pounds, right? It doesn't matter if you're 300 pounds. The effect's going to be the same. Combat sports are great equalizers. Yeah. They don't care how big you are, how strong you are. I've wrestled my when my senior year in high school, we had a quad tournament, so we had three we had three matches all in the same day. Um and all three of the people that I wrestled at one point or another were conference champions the previous three years. One dude was five foot three, just jacked, right? He's 132 pounds, just solid muscle. Looked like he looked he looked like a miniature bodybuilder, right? Pinned him in 90 seconds. I think I got a little lucky on that one. Second guy, six foot four. I'm five foot eight. It was almost impossible to get anything on him from a distance because he's so lanky. And the other guy was a happy medium of the two. He was built like a like a power lifter, just solid muscle. But the one thing I noticed that they all lacked was a uh, stamina. Right. And that's one thing that I'm working on right now. And that's uh, one thing that my coach wants me to work on between now and September 23rd is he wants me to mainly work on my cardio, which is a big thing for me, right? Because I don't want to lose weight. I'm competing in lightweight. I don't need to lose any weight. I'm 153 pounds right now. So I'm going to try and gain about a five, about a, about another five or eight pounds and then just kind of cut a couple pounds maybe the week prior, right? Mm-hmm. But more so focus on my conditioning. And try and work in an extra day of training here and there if possible. Well, I mean, you know, as, as you're leading into the competition, you know, you know, those, those little details are going to pay off big for you. Um, so you even know, the way I breathe. I, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's all the little things like we're saying, like with, you know, the little movements, even just the little things you do to your own body, the way you breathe, you know, the, the way you hold your, you know, if you're just sitting around, you know, whether you breathe through your nose or breathe through your mouth, you know, little things, those little things will factor in and, and, and have an effect. Um, you mentioned, you mentioned something a little while ago, uh, like little variations. And one of the things that you said were something about lapel chokes. And that was one thing I noticed, like when I first learned how to do a lapel choke, you know, you kind of do it the way everyone's taught. And then I, and I kind of adjusted it to fit my style. And that was one thing that my coach told us. He's like, look, these are all concepts, but if you can find a way to tailor it to your style, do it. Right. And one thing that, one thing that wrestlers work a lot on that we do is we work on our grip strength a lot. Right. And one thing I realized is I can get high up on a cross choke, but if I don't have a proper grip, for my body type or for my opponent's body type, he 
it may be, you know, majorly uncomfortable, but, but you know, he'll, he'll still be able to fight it. And then I realize I'm like, all right, what if I curl, like I grab the lapel instead of just doing this, curl my knuckles in and then bring my elbow up. And I did that. And it was five times tighter than the way I was initially taught. And I showed my coach this and he's like, do it. If it works for you, do it. Yeah. Right. He's like, there's no, there's no clear standard. There's no clear way. It's unique to the person. And I like that. It's an equalizer. I mean, that's, that's, you know, the thing is with jujitsu again, you know, like you said, we have concepts and then, yeah. you know, once you get comfortable in your own game, you have to make the adjustments that work for you. You know, I have teammates that, you know, they love to invert. I don't. I'm just not an inverting kind of guy. It's it's I'm 45 and age isn't really a big factor, but I'm a fat boy too, and I got a bad neck. <laughs> That's what I'm yeah. not doing next week. Is just that I'm not fucking inverting. It like I can invert, you know, not by like you know if I consciously think about it, I'm not going to be able to do it. But you know, if we're in the middle of a roll, just you know the previous reps, you know the natural movement of it, I can do it. It's just again, if I'm sitting there thinking like, man. I'm going to go ahead and Granby today. No, I'm not. Like, I'm, I'm doing no such thing. But, I mean, again, the whole point is, you know, again, adjusting the game to fit your style. So, you know, if, like, you're, you're you know, locking in Kimuras, I mean, you know, you eventually make your game work where you can hit that Kimura from every angle. No matter where you're at, you're going to get that Kimura grip, especially in Nogi. That, that's where it's going to be super helpful since you don't have grips you know, on lapels and stuff, you know, but yeah, you got that Kamora, it's always home. So, you know, everything factors in. <laughs> All right. So, um, before we get out of here, um, I just want to, I know you're still early on in the game. Mm-hmm. I haven't asked this question in a while to people. Um, I've usually asked people who've been training for a while this question, but, um, even with yourself, just still kind of being, you know, five months in relatively new. Um, what's something you would tell, you know, someone that just walked in the door today? They're like, hey, Sean, you know, it's been cool, uh, you know, drilling with you and working the technique. But, you know, like, what should I be expecting? Give me some advice. What, what, what would you say to a brand new grappler coming to you first or second day in? Like I, so I, I would look at it two different ways. One being kind of a stern reminder. The other one being both, both are, you know, pieces of advice, but one is more stern than the others. And this is what I would tell my, my wrestlers, my young, my young kids is when I say young kids, I'm talking 13, 14, 15 years old, right? A lot of these kids come in with massive egos. For whatever reason, whatever the reason may be, they come in with egos, they come in with this chip on their shoulder, and I'm like, check yourself at the door. Um, especially if you're doing something you've never done before. Especially something that's combat related. Check yourself at the door. Leave your ego at the door. Leave all notion that you think you know what you're doing. Uh, leave all notion that your strength is a factor. Leave that out the door. Because um, it's not going to help you. It may aid you, but it's not going to be a defining factor. Um, and that's something that I think kind of needs to be drilled into everybody. Right. There is no place for gigantic egos. 
when you step on the mats. The mat doesn't care about your ego, right? It's kind of it's kind of like it's kind of like the it's kind of like you know the house at the end of the day the house wins. The house wins at the end of the day. You're just there. Enjoy it. Um, but as far as but as far as like I'd say encouraging. Um, don't worry about failing. You're going to fail. It's going to happen. Um, but don't let that discourage you from actually sticking with it. You may not, you may not, uh, hit a successful submission in training or in competition for a full year. That just means you, that just means you got room, plenty of room to grow and look and look at it that way. Look back on and like, all right, what could I have done differently? Write that down, take video, right? Like when I compete, I plan on having my coach. I'm sure he'll do it anyways. I'm going to have him record my match, right? And then, and then the following week when you go back into practice, review that video, all right? What did I do wrong? What did I do right? Remember the things you did right and drill the things you did wrong, but drill them properly, right? I don't look... I don't want people to look at failure as a bad thing because it's not failure is the best teacher you'll ever have. I couldn't agree more and find that group of people. Well, true. Yeah. That that's right. huge yeah. as well. Finding your tribe. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, the people you train with your teammates, they're going to be your best friends. Yep. They're going to be your best resources. All right. All right. Wise words there, my friend. Thank you. All right, Sean. Before we get out of here, you got any shout outs or mentions you want to drop out there for our listeners? Uh, yeah. Uh, so the place where I train, Gilbert Defense Arts in Gilbert, Arizona, okay. um, who I train with is, uh, well, where's my head at? Uh, so Blue Warrior Jiu-Jitsu is one of Tom De- Tom DeBlas' affiliate schools, which is the Blue Warrior Academy, and subsequently Blue Warrior Jiu-Jitsu. And, all, and how I found out about it was from Danielle. If you follow Tom, then you probably know who Danielle is. And she was the one that pointed me in the direction of that academy. And so I got to give credit where credit is due. You know, I still... We'll let her know things from time to time. Like, hey, I just got my first stripe. It may be the littlest thing, but I'm like excited about it. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And just the people I train with, you know, just just that confidence from the people that I train with, just hearing, hey, you're getting better. You're getting you're 10 times better than when you were four months ago. Like that, I like to hear. But I also like to hear, hey, you can work on this a little bit more but you're doing good, right? I don't like to just hear good things. I want to hear what I can work on. And they give me that. You know, it's accountability. Good. good. Uh, and, and you know, that factors into, again, everything. Like you said, you know, mm-hmm. you either hear the things that you need to work on as well. I think our society is too wrapped up in patting, patting people on the back and telling them how great they are. Yeah, sometimes, I mean, you can still be great. But you still might have some shit you got to work on. Yeah. So I definitely yeah. take note of that. Um, so, Sean, thank you for doing this. Thank you for making time and and uh, sharing your story with me and, and a lot of your wisdom. 
I appreciate the hell out of that. Um, I wouldn't call it wisdom. I think I'd call it a learned learned lessons over the past 20 years. Hey. That I'm just now starting that I'm just now starting to realize, but hey. however it comes out of you, you know, people people I feel like can take take something from it and learn. So thank you for sharing that, you know, what you've um accumulated over the years. Um appreciate you. Um and to everyone else out there listening, thank you as always. If you all have any questions, concerns, criticisms, always feel free to reach out. You can find me at bjj.wiki on Instagram or off the mats podcast on Instagram. Either one's fine. I'm on both accounts a lot. Um, I like to give a big shout out to uh, Nerd Rage Radio, Bobby, Chris, Joe, Marilyn, Phil, Ricky, Tiki, all the fellas over there. Thank you. If it weren't for Nerd Rage Radio, off the mats wouldn't be a thing. So, Thank you, guys. Um, I also want to give a shout out to um, a good friend, Shoki, who I've been recording with a bit lately on his podcast. Uh, now you've made it awkward. And also he's been a guest on Off the Mats over here. And he's going to be an upcoming guest on So You Like Horror. So keep your ears open for that if you all want to hear about a um, hire going on the killing spree. We're going to be reviewing that on that other podcast. Good segue into it. So you like horror. So if you are into horror movies, go check that podcast. I'll go check out the Instagram as well. So you like horror, all the words separated by underscores. And as I just mentioned, we will be having an episode with Shoki. And it's going to be about the movie called Rubber. It's about a tire that goes on the killing spree. This is what happens when I tell people, give me suggestions. They, they suggest shit like this. So, um go check that out as well um otherwise thank you everyone i appreciate the hell out of every every one of you and just thanks for you know listening to the podcast like i said three years we're in we're doing this let's make it to four fuck it let's go to five let's go beyond that let's just keep going let's keep going until we get sick of it and and we're gonna have some fun with it but otherwise y'all keep listening we're gonna keep making these shows thank you everyone and bye They probably said, now let me see his song.